Hello, horse girls and guys. Sorry, I didn't turn my microphone on. I've been talking for like 10 seconds. Um, anyway, hope you all are having a, a good spooky season still. If you're watching this on YouTube, my hands look like this because I just got done staining something outside. Um, I have taken up a new hobby this summer of flipping furniture um, that I find either for free or for sale. Some of it I have bought very cheap, but I started watching a YouTube channel like this spring called Transcend Furniture Gallery, and I really enjoyed watching her videos, and I have flipped furniture in the past, um, nothing like super serious or like well done by any means, but I have done it before and really enjoyed it, but... Um, after watching her videos this spring, I was like re-inspired to do it again. So I've been like just collecting a bunch of furniture all summer and redoing it. I've done a few dressers. I've done a desk, some like antique chairs that someone left on the curb. Yesterday, I did a whole dresser all in one day. So I was pretty happy with that. And it looks super cute. Um, and today I'm wor working on like a kitchen microwave cart. So... I just got done staining it outside, so my hands are all, like, brown and gross. But I'm getting to the podcast a little late today. It's almost 3 o'clock, and normally I do it in the morning, but I just, like, I don't know, wasn't thinking about it this morning and got to doing other things. So doing it now. Last week, I don't know what happened. I actually got it up by Thursday and had it all uploaded. The thumbnail was done. Everything was done. And... I left it on private for two days and didn't realize it. I like went to go check on it on Saturday, like just to see if it was getting any views or anything. Um, and it had zero. And I was like, what is going on? It was still on private. So I'm going to give myself half a win for that one because it was up on time. It just wasn't public. So my bad. But um, yeah, I've just been working on that today my furniture and stuff outside kind of trying to get things like in order for the cold weather to I guess the cold weather is already here but like the winter I guess to come um been like rearranging my trailers outside I really need to get some hay I'm very low on hay so I'm hoping tomorrow I can get some round bales and um deal with that Today actually has been really nice. I think it's been in like the 70s today, but the last few days have been cold and so windy. Um, and today we finally got a nice day that's not windy. And I've been really like looking forward to the days it hasn't that it's not going to be windy because I really need to burn like some of my tree piles. So today I took a bag of garbage out. I burned it, literally just let the bag of trash burn. And then I put out the fire because I had too much anxiety because it has been so dry lately. Like I think it has rained maybe one time in the last like month and a half. It's just been so dry. And I used to be a firefighter. So like I've seen the brush fires and stuff and I've just been too nervous. So I just let the bag of trash burn and then I just put out the fire because I just mm, I don't want to start a fire and so yeah usually burning things I'm totally fine with burning things doesn't bother me a bit it's just been so dry lately and um 
this week we got a couple nights that were really really cold like 25 degrees so like a solid freezing overnight and literally I think half the trees on my property just dropped their leaves overnight literally overnight because the next morning I came out and there's just leaves everywhere and like they're still green like they didn't even have time to change I think the the freezing just literally frostbit them and they just dropped so everything is dry and dying and there's dead leaves all over the ground and so yeah it's just been it's been like droughtville over here but today is really nice and warm out and sunny it's been a great day to be outside I don't even need a sweatshirt and so I think maybe after I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go outside and work with Oakley. I have not done anything with her in a few weeks, probably more than that, um, just because it's been so cold lately. And I was just kind of like, you know what, obviously, I'm not going to probably work with anybody throughout the winter. So I was just kind of letting it phase out. But being as it's so nice today, I'm like, maybe I should just get her out and work with her a little bit. Um The good thing about Oakley is that she always picks up right where we left off. So, like, I never really have any trouble getting her out and then, like, starting back over. She's she's really smart and we usually just continue wherever we left off last. So, God, there is a really loud bug in here. I was trying to figure out what that noise was. Um, But, yeah. The last time I worked with her, I did notice she has been getting a little bit demanding about um, her treat. So I've been using clicker training with her since I got her, if you guys don't know. I got her back in January, so coming up on a year of having her. Um, And I've been using clicker training with her through all this time because she was basically feral. And so... Um, clicker training really was working well with her because she was getting some sort of tangible reward or like just some actual physical motivation to be engaged with me rather than just like getting a release. Um, she'd still just rather avoid me. So I've been clicker training with her, but the last couple times I've been working with her, I've noticed she's gotten a little aggressive about her treat. So I'll ask her to do something. And then when she does it, I click and treat. And usually I just do, I just do a click with my mouth, like, and then I give her a treat. Well, she knows, she obviously knows the sound. So she associates the sound with the treat. So the second that I click at her, she will like swish her tail or stomp her foot really hard, or she'll swing her head up and down. And so I think I'm going to start, like what I'm going to start doing with her is that If I click and she does that, like stomps her foot, swishes her tail, I just won't give her anything. She'll just get a release. Um, And if she stands there patiently or just stands there quietly and waits for the treat, then I'll give her, you know, her treat. But I don't want to teach her to be demanding or aggressive about it because those small behaviors are just going to escalate. So if you guys have, have clicker trained horses before, let me know if you've encountered that issue. But yeah, I don't want her to be demanding about getting her treat. So I think if she does that, I will just not give her the treat, but she'll still get her release. Like she's not as if she's not getting rewarded at all. She's still going to get her release and we're going to wait before we start, you know, before I ask for the behavior again, but she's not going to get the, I call it a tangible, her tangible reward um, if she's demanding about it. So 
I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. I should probably look it up a little bit and read um, other people's experiences. But that is one of the like really negative things. And I didn't even know this. But did you guys know that like there is a whole like cult against clicker training? Um, I learned that from the Equitheory podcast um, by Jill Treese. But she is like an avid positive reinforcement trainer. And that's like all the training she does. And she's talked several times about like losing all her Instagram followers because she switched and the hate that she gets and and stuff like that uh, just about clicker training and I was like what do people really have this strong of feelings about clicker training because obviously it can be done wrong and just like anything in the horse world you can teach a horse something badly and you can do it wrong but if you're doing it correctly then it can it can be great so I was actually surprised to hear her say that because I haven't experienced any like hate or negativity towards clicker training. I don't, you know, only clicker train. Most of my training is just pressure and release. And and that's what I've always done. This is the first time I've tried clicker training. But if it's working really well for her, then why would I stop doing it? Like, I don't have anything against it. And I think if, you know, there's other people in the world that have had really great success with it, then why not support that method? I mean, I don't know. I don't have a closed mind. I I get really frustrated in the horse world with people that have really closed minds about things like this. It's like, dude, if it's working, it's working. Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, like if it is working for that person and their horse and they're doing awesome things and their horse is well behaved and there's no problems, then why do I care? Like, I don't, I don't care. So yeah, that's just me though. Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, I think I'll work with Oakley today. Um, and honestly, I don't really have a topic for today's podcast. I just wanted to jump on here and do it, um, for you guys. So what else was I, was I going to talk about? Oh, the cold weather. So yeah, so it's been so cold lately, um, the last week or so, and it's been super windy, which the wind is a more of a problem to me than the temperature outside. Honestly, I think if it's like 25 or 30 degrees outside, but there's no wind, I'm fine. Like I'm totally fine. And the horses are fine. It's the wind that is just so much worse. But some of you guys know I work at a boarding facility Um, it's rather large, I would say for our area, there's probably about 40 horses there. Um, sorry, I have to yawn. It's not the biggest one in our area, but it is on the bigger side for, for here. I have about 40 horses, um, around 20 of them inside in stalls. The rest are pasture boarded and we have come to the time of year where, it's blanketing season. And I saw a meme the other day on Facebook that was like, I'm not mentally prepared to blanket horses or to start blanketing horses. And I felt that so much because I've worked at this facility since last winter. And owners are just crazy. And I've I've talked about my experience working there in the past episodes, but horse owners are just freaking nuts. Like they really are. Um, And Yeah, like blanketing season just amplifies that. 
I've noticed. And not to say that, all, but like I'm not an avid or like a strict horses don't need blankets person. You know, I've kind of, I used to be that way, but as I've gotten older, I'm a little bit in the middle. I'm definitely more towards non-blanketing, but I have blanketed horses before. Um, last winter I blanketed BB on multiple occasions because we didn't have a shelter put up yet. So they were out directly in the wind and she would shiver, um, because they couldn't get out of the wind. If it wasn't windy, she was fine. So uh, on a few occasions, like I blanketed her. I definitely believe if you have an old hard keeper, hard keeping horse that needs a blanket to like literally just conserve calories and stuff. I understand that. I'm not against that. Um, and yeah, stuff like that. Like I think blanketing is fine within reason. I'm not, I'm not super against it, but if your horse is healthy, they're young enough, they've got a good winter coat then, I mean, I, I don't think horses need to be blanketed. And the people at, at least at my barn, and I think that a lot of people are like this, but oh my goodness, the owners, like the minute it turns like 40 degrees outside, they're like, oh my God, my horse needs a blanket. And at our facility, we are not obligated to start blanketing. Like it's not included in the board to start blanketing until November. So even though it's gotten a little bit chillier this October, um, people are like, oh my God, my horse needs a blanket. We charge a $10 blanketing fee per day. Um, so wait, is it per day? No, I don't think it is. I know it's $10. I don't know if it's a week. Oh, I think it's a week because my barn manager was saying something about an extra $40. So yeah, I think it's $10 a week, which still isn't even enough in my opinion, being the person that has to blanket and unblanket horses every day. And some owners are very cool about it and they just leave the blanket on their horses day and night. So we don't have to take it on or off and they can avoid the blanketing fee that way. But some people seriously think that their horse needs to come in at night, their blanket needs to be taken off. And then when they go out in the morning, we need to put it back on. And we have to, you know, pick from their three blankets that they have there for their horse based on the temperature of that day. And if it's super cold, we put the heavy on. If it's, you know, not not that cold, we could put the mid weight on. And it's just like, I do not get paid enough to do this. This is your horse. <laughs> um, the board is very reasonable. It's very average in the area that we live in. So... Yeah, it's just like people literally freak out about. And then if you put the wrong one on and it's like too cold that day and they see their horse has the midweight on, they'll complain about that. Some people think that their horse needs double blanketed. And we had a girl um, do that last week. And I told the barn manager, I was like, I think if these people think that their horse needs to wear two blankets outside, they need to pay double the blanketing fee. And the barn manager's like, yep, they will because we're not doing it. So. And what people don't understand is that, so like, it's not like I'm against blanketing your horse or whatever, but people only see it as just their horse. They're like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It takes, you know, a couple minutes to put a blanket on my horse. Okay. Well, we have 20 horses inside. So then when 20 other people think the same thing, it's like, no, that is too many. It's too much. If your horse can wear a blanket overnight and whatever, and we don't have to deal with it and it can just go in and out, no big deal. 
wear have your horse wear a blanket i don't care it's when you constantly expect us to babysit the fact that your horse needs a blanket on in the morning and off at night and then you got to put the proper one on and sometimes you got to double blanket it it's like whoa whoa whoa. this is not our problem if your horse needs a blanket leave the blanket on your horse and the barn is is it is heated but it it doesn't stay super warm so like there are some barns that are like 70 degrees and so in that regard i could see yes that would be way too hot to keep a heavyweight blanket on your horse overnight if they're in in the barn but i think they keep it at like 40 or 50 degrees at our barn so it is not very hot in there at all um you still need a coat on in there during the winter so it's heated but not very much. So if it's 30 degrees outside and it's, you know, 40 inside the barn or 50 inside the barn, that's not that big of a difference. If your horse has a mid-weight blanket on, he will be fine. And the owners at our barn, I don't even understand because a lot of them, most of them do not show during the winter. Actually, I think maybe only one or two of them show throughout the winter because they're like Western pleasure people. The rest of them don't or a lot of them aren't even showers at all. Some of them are. But they just don't want their horses to get hairy. And I am so confused. I'm like, why Why are you spending this extra time, extra money on blankets and getting blankets fixed and buying new blankets just because you don't want your horse to get hairy? Like, that is completely natural, a normal body function for a horse to get their winter coat. And if you're not showing, then why does it matter if your horse is hairy or not? I mean, what, literally, why does it matter? So you don't want your horse to get hairy for no reason, basically. And, um, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's irritating. And I can tell that some of these people have never had horses at home because they have absolutely no idea the amount of work that it takes to take care of their horse every day. And we actually even started implementing a new rule um, this summer that everybody will have holidays off. All the barn help has holidays off. I think the barn manager will come down to feed and turn out horses, but we aren't cleaning stalls. We're not cleaning buckets. Uh, we're not sweeping. We're doing nothing in the barn. Your horses will be fed and put out and that's it. So if people want their stalls cleaned, they want their buckets cleaned, whatever, they have to come do it themselves on the holidays. And some people were like, you know, oh, we pay so much. In yeah, but like us, barn help, we don't get paid extra to work on the holidays. We don't get paid extra to hold your horse for the farrier or to blanket them and to babysit their blankets and double blanket them and whatever. Um, so we can have the holidays off. It's like, is there even one holiday a month? So yeah, one holiday a month, you can come out and clean your own horse's stall. So, because half the time they complain about how we clean the stalls anyway. So it's just like, you know what? Over it. <laughs> but um, I think it's good for people because they seriously don't understand. And then they'll complain about the hay. They'll pull one foxtail out of a bale of hay and they'll be like, oh my God, there's foxtail. And it's probably not even the kind that bothers horses. So, yeah, they've obviously never had to buy their own hay. They've never had to spend money on shopping for hay and buying it and getting it delivered and finding a place to put it etc yeah I just had to rant rant about horse owners um this afternoon but yeah no it was it was pretty 
blanketing season is just not my favorite and I'm not looking forward to it because it really does. It takes like an extra half an hour, 45 minutes in the morning to get all those horses blanketed. Um, and it's just overrated in my opinion. All right. So we are going to move to comment of the day from Heather Fox commented on the last video, my vlog, whatever came of BB's muscle biopsy. So I'm glad you asked this um, because I just got the results a couple days ago. And I'll be honest, I did not expect them to take that long. I was wondering um, why they were taking so long or if I was ever going to get results because we got it done like mid-September. So definitely over a month ago. Um, and after a couple weeks, I hadn't heard anything. So I figured I'd text my vet and check in. And he said one of them came back negative. So we got the two tests done. We got the genetic test and the um, immune mediated test for the MYH1 disease. I think it's called like immune mediated myopathy or something like that. He calls it myopathy. So I wanted to get both tests done because they're both relatively inexpensive. One of them was only like $60, I think. And the other one was like $100. So I was like, just do them both and we'll just get it done. So, and that way I didn't have to like come back in if we only did one and it was negative. So I think it was the genetic one came back negative. He texted me a couple days ago and said that the muscle biopsy, which they only sent to Iowa State. And I live in Iowa, if you guys didn't know. They only sent it to Iowa State. So it was in state. So I'm still not sure why it took so long. The genetic testing had to go all the way to California. So I can see why that would take a little bit longer. But he texted me a couple days ago and said um, that BB did test positive for the MYH1 gene post-infection or vaccination for strangles. So the immune mediated myopathy um, disease that they they thought she had comes from the strangles virus and it can show up later in life or it cannot show up at all. Something can just trigger it. Um, so what he told me is horses can carry it. They can carry the gene, but it won't always be triggered. So the horse might just carry it their whole life and won't be bothered by it. But in some cases, it can be triggered by something, whether she was re-exposed or, I don't know, something can trigger it later in life and it will show up in forms like this. And I've talked about it before, but the biggest symptom is dramatic muscle atrophy, which is what I've been struggling with her with all summer is all of her lost muscle mass, which I actually think she looks pretty good right now. Um, and I've definitely put more muscle back on her. So I'm happy with how she looks now. She's still a little bit ribby. Um, her top line could be better. But she's not as bad as she was earlier this summer before I, I knew what, what to do. But she did test positive for it, which is unfortunate. But um, I'm glad we have an answer. And I don't have to keep wondering and doing more tests as to what's wrong with her. So... She will most likely always be a hard keeper and probably have to stay on a high protein, high fat diet for the rest of her life. 
which is okay. Um, I honestly, I don't even give her that much grain right now. I think if I upped her grain a little more, she would probably even muscle out more. She gets a scoop and a half of Proforce fuel per day. So that's what four and a half pounds, probably something like that. And right now I'm just feeding grass hay because that's what I've got right now. But I feed, I've fed alfalfa all summer. So she actually looks pretty good right now. I think she looks healthy. Um, she's not a fat pot sticker like she always has been, but she looks okay. I'm happy with how she looks. I'm not like detrimentally worried about her. Um, so yeah, so that's what she's got. And, um, he did say that, you know, she should be fine and keep riding her. He, he specifically told me not to stop riding her because, um, the more that she doesn't use what muscle she has left, the more it's not going to grow or it's going to waste away more. So he specifically told me like, don't stop using her. I mean, don't just let her go to waste, keep her utilizing those muscles so that they don't waste away anymore. Um, in BB's case, it's just going to take a lot more work and a lot more calories and a lot more protein to get a lot less muscle gain. So, so she's just going to be inhibited that way. Um, but you know, I took her to some endurance events this year and she really did fine. I mean, she wasn't like, she won the first one we went to and the second one we didn't place, but I didn't feel like she struggled at all. I mean, I don't think she has struggled at all this summer. So I'm glad that she is feeling good because that's the most important part is that she's feeling able and she, you know, is not in any pain or discomfort or anything. And, sh and she doesn't act that way at all. So I'm not super worried. I just need to feed her more than I feed everyone else. Uh, but I feel like we all have horses like that, right? But uh but yeah, so she is positive. I'm going to do more research on it. And, you know, if there is any way that I can help her, um, then I will. I know the a couple articles I read, it said that horses have made recoveries from it. And so I talked to my vet about that. And he's like, yeah, I mean, if we catch it early enough, you know, horses have made recoveries. But I honestly wouldn't hold your hopes out for it. So as long as she's healthy and she's not in pain, like that's the biggest thing. So yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, she's got this auto, it's an autoimmune disease, but yeah. So, I mean, that's the scary thing, like that this all like happened because of strangles. Like I have vaccinated for strangles and before I owned BB, she had been at other barns and boarding facilities. So I have no idea if she was ever, if she ever had strangles or if this, like, would have come from one of the vaccines. So that's just, like, something to keep in mind if you do vaccinate or have your horse, you know, at a barn that might get strangles. I was at um, the horse ranch that I volunteer at several years ago. They had a strangles outbreak, and it was just, ugh. And they own all of their horses, so it's not even, like, a boarding facility or anything. They own, like, 40 horses, and they had strangles go around and it was awful. I mean, everybody was just like full of snot and had like these big pockets of pus under their chins that had to be cleaned out. And just, we had to bleach everything like every day. Um, and it eventually went away, but God, it was like, oh, so much work. But I remember like I would wear my boots to the ranch and then like I would come home and you 
and just like not wear them out with my horses or anything so that I couldn't like cross contaminate and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I'm going to see if there's another comment that I can read for you. Let's see. God, my computer has been so slow. So I apologize. Um, let's see. Ooh, okay. So I don't think I saw this one. Um, Okay, I'm going to waste like one minute because I know this is going to stop recording. And I know every time that I start going on a tangent, my um, anchor thing on my laptop stops recording. And then like the podcast listeners have missed five minutes of my tangent. So I'm just going to stop it right here. Okay, so I see a comment on here. I don't know if I saw this. Catherine McGee commented a month ago on my full barefoot trim on my horse video. I need some advice. My horse is okay when I pick his hooves. Sometimes wants to pull a little bit like BB, but I just hold until he stops. But he's bad for the farrier. All he gets is a trim. He acts like he can't stand on three legs and seems like he's he thinks about kicking when his back hooves get done. It's so embarrassing. I want him to stand still. What can I do for that? Um, Okay, so if your horse does really well for you, honestly, I have found that some horses, they're just jerks when it comes to other people. And horses that like to test their limits and like to test other riders or other people will do stuff like this because the person handling them isn't you. And sometimes that's literally just your horse being a jerk. Sometimes in life, Our horses are doing things not because they're in pain, not because they don't know how, not because they aren't trained, not because, you know, there's some behavioral problem. Sometimes our horses are just jerks. And um, I will use my friend Melanie's horse as an example because I know that she won't care. Um, Her horse, April. Old horse. She's like, we call her grandma because she's like 26 or something like that. She's an old, old old girl, right? What? All right. Quick intermission because my um, phone storage just went full. And I don't want the YouTube listeners to miss out. So give me a second while I clear some storage. I didn't think I had storage full. I just got a new phone too. And it... Um has way more storage oh my god I had 319 um things in my like recently deleted holy cow I have an iPhone for those of you that that don't understand okay so I'm back um anyways yeah so sometimes our horses are just jerks and April likes to test her rider even though she's 26 years old she's super broke she's super quiet easy going she does you know she's a grandma horse but 
when I would put little kids on her, because I used her for lessons sometimes, she would absolutely try and test them. She even tries to test Melanie sometimes when Melanie rides her. And she'll do this prancy little trot. She'll try and go back to the barn, you know, whatever. She starts to be buddy sour. Even though she has, she has been broke, well broke her whole life. She knows better. And sometimes she just tests the rider because she feels like it. And so sometimes, like, honestly, your comment, how, um, like, your horse is okay with you, but for the farrier, he tries to, like, act like he can't stand on three legs. And I've had horses do that where they're, like, if I have their front foot, they'll just, like, start to fall down, basically, because they don't want their hoof up. They're just, like, girl, no. I, bitch, no. I'm, I'm done with this. And I will literally hold it there. And if they almost fall over, then they almost fall over. And usually they don't. Once they like literally think they're going to fall, they jump back up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep holding it until you fall over. And if you fall over, that's your own damn fault. So sometimes they will just be difficult. And so it sounds like your horse might just be insecure um, about standing on three legs with somebody else. That's not you. So If I were you, I would have some friends or some other people, you know, at your barn or whatever. Or if you have a friend come out and ride with you, make them pick up your horse's hoof. Just be like, hey, can I borrow you for a second? Can you pick up on my horse's hooves? Because he thinks that nobody else can do it but me. So honestly, like that's what it sounds like from from your comment. But obviously I don't know your horse. I can't say for sure. I haven't seen him, you know, behave that way. But... That would be my guess. <laughs> so best of luck. I hope you can get that fixed. But that that would be, you know, because it is, it's frustrating for your farrier as well. And maybe the more that, you know, your farrier does it, the more he will be comfortable with that person. But anywho, I think I'm going to go ahead and jump off of here, guys. I know this wasn't a very long episode, but I need to let my phone charge up a little bit after recording this. And I would like to go out and work with Miss Oakley. Um this afternoon. So I'm going to go ahead and jump off of here. I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what else you want me to talk about. If you have any topic ideas or questions you'd like me to answer in future episodes, leave them down in the comment section. Also make sure to check out the description box for my social medias, my buy me a coffee where you can buy me a coffee um, to support this channel and the podcast and whatnot. But anyways, I think that's all I have for you today. So thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.